Well, good evening, everyone. It's Tuesday night, and that means it's time for Second Thoughts, the moment in the week when we reflect on a few more ideas which have occurred to us in light of Sunday's sermon. And if you were with us at the weekend, you might recall that we were talking about the need to build into our lives and routines, regular times of silence and solitude. And we thought about all of this in light of one verse in uh, Luke chapter 5, where we're told that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed, Luke 5 and verse 16. Now I've been mulling over this verse and this theme some more, and I wanted to share a few thoughts now about a key issue which I think it raises, the theme of how we measure ourselves. I mean, really, what we think a successful and worthy life really looks like. And let me share uh, a couple of stories to illustrate my point. Over the weekend, I found myself thinking about a newspaper article I read a few years ago, and the title was as follows. The new status symbol. It's not what you spend, it's how hard you work. And the article, which you can find online, like everything else, it's only a Google search away. Uh, it's an exploration of how people now project themselves to the world. And it begins by making this point that years ago, the way we would demonstrate how much we matter or how much we've attained would be through buying expensive things. The most prestigious brands of car or watch, uh, perhaps a, a large house with a particularly sought-after postcode. But the journalist, Ben Tarnoff, then suggests that we've moved on to another type of measurement. It isn't about how much you spend, it's about how hard you work. And to make the point, there are a couple of examples of captains of industry who have boasted about the amount of hours they put in. And some of the figures which are quoted are, are frankly mind-boggling. Uh, Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, has said that he begins his day at a quarter to four in the morning when he does an hour of email before going to the gym. Then we're told about the one-time CEO of Yahoo, Marissa Mayer, who spoke on one occasion about working 130 hours per week. And in case you're wondering, uh, she says that this is possible, and I quote, if you're strategic about when you sleep, when you shower, and how often you go to the bathroom. Now, there are lots of things which we could say about this. First of all, I think it feels wrong to talk about these particular business leaders without also flagging up the fact that there are lots of people working incredibly long hours who aren't being valued in the same way, who will be struggling to get by because we have, frankly, a rather distorted world and a way of measuring people so that it's not just how many hours you work, it's a particular value we attach to the job that you're doing when you're working all those hours. But the reason I wanted to talk about this particularly is because it, it speaks of a culture where we focus on 
certain types of achievement which are celebrated above all else, work, fitness, health. It's telling, isn't it, that uh, Tim Cook doesn't just get up at a quarter to four and do some email, he then goes to the gym. Maybe he's got a personal trainer because having a body that projects the right image of self-discipline matters as well. And it's also part of a wider issue of being in a society where everything is measured. My timesheet tells me how many hours I've worked. My watch tells me how many hours I've slept, how many steps I've taken, my resting heartbeat. Facebook tells me how many friends I have and Twitter tells me how many followers. And all of these are a means by which we measure ourselves. He says, wondering how many people are going to watch this video. And all of this leads to a culture where we feel the need to be always on, always available, always doing, always seen to be doing. And it is so different to what we see of Jesus. Jesus, as he is described for us in this verse in Luke's Gospel, Jesus, who often withdrew often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And when he was away, when he was out of reach, we need to acknowledge that there was a trade-off being made. There were other people he could have helped, others he could have healed, more teaching he could have done, but he was working to a different set of priorities. For him, what mattered most was being with the Father on a regular basis, Without such moments of, of drinking from the well of prayer, he would have gone thirsty. Without such times to be in the unhurried presence of the one who loved him fully and whose love and delight mattered most, he would have lost his focus. He would have ended up seeking the adulation of others. These times were essential. Time's almost gone. But uh, I said I'd share a couple of stories and let me tell you one more anecdote. Little detail I came across a few years ago about Eugene Peterson, the translator who gave us the version of the Bible known as The Message and the author of many other wonderful books in the Christian life. One of the observations which people who knew Eugene Peterson used to make about him was that he was slow. That's the word that comes up often in uh, accounts people tell of his life. They say that he talked slowly, he moved slowly around the campus of Regent College in Vancouver. He was never in a rush. I often find it challenging to reflect on that. The image of the man who was so unhurried, so deliberate, so uh, intentional in all that he did, and also one through whom God worked so powerfully and did so much. And I think about him talking slowly and moving slowly. The faithful disciple of Jesus who would often withdraw and go to quiet places and pray. And I find myself thinking again about my priorities and whose opinion matters most. How do I measure my value and my worth? And do I recognise that if I want to be used much by God, then that can only happen if I spend much time with him. 
unhurried time, quality time, reminds me of the advice someone gave me many years ago that often love is spelt T-I-M-E. And I think that rings true for many of our relationships with our loved ones, our families and friends, but also God. Let's pray. And as we pray, let's hold in our hearts and minds words with Jesus would have known, words first spoken to the Jewish people by the prophet Isaiah. Words which remind us that in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Loving God, please forgive us for the times when we foolishly run away from the best you offer us, when we choose activity over rest, when we choose noise over quietness, when we choose doing it ourselves over trust. Help us please to choose well, shape our hearts and habits and draw us ever closer to quiet places where we can be near to you and pray. Amen. Bye for now, friends, and uh, I'll see you soon.